What's up, everybody? This is The Booch, and this shout-out goes to all of the members of The Booch Cast Nation. On behalf of the entire team and all of my affiliates, I would like to take this opportunity to thank you guys so much from the bottom of our hearts for your continued support of The Booch Cast. Whether it's wrestling recaps, interviews, politics, variety shows movie reviews, whatever episodes we come out with, you guys listen, you guys tune in, and you show your support. And it means the world to us. And we're going to commence with this latest episode in just a moment. But I want to take this opportunity right now to let you guys know something really huge that is going on in the world of the booch. I am now officially on Cameo. That's right, the Cameo. The same cameo where celebrities go and give personal shout-out videos for all their fans. And I'm here to let you guys know that for the affordable price of just $25, you can get a personalized video from me on Cameo. And it can be for any occasion that you want. You got somebody you want me to wish a happy birthday? I'll make it happen. You want me to congratulate someone on graduating high school or college? I'll make it happen. Whether it's a happy holidays video, it can be a gender reveal, it can be somebody who needs some motivation, you want the boots to motivate you, or if you got somebody in your life that you want to break up with, I'll help make the breakup happen. Or if you got somebody in your life that you want to tell to fuck off and you want it done booch style. All you got to do is go to cameo.com slash booch365. There'll be a link in the description box of every episode of the Boochcast from now till the end of time. Go there, book your video, customize it however you want. Let me know how you want it done, and I will make it happen for you. So go to cameo.com slash booch365 right now and book your personalized video today for the affordable price of $25. And now, on with the show.
What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to The Booch Cast. Here, ladies and gentlemen, we have what we like to call on the show a new classic review. That's right. This is not a classic that I pulled from the SoundCloud olden days. This is a new one that we are recording for you guys. And we have an even bigger surprise, ladies and gentlemen, because uh, a miracle has occurred. Jesus created a miracle. Leonard Skinner delivered us a miracle because the prodigal son finally finally came to fuck home. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the one and only Gator Ricky Ross. Well, thank you, children. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's so glad. I'm so glad to be home after I have been working on my country album. I'm sorry, what now? I've been working on my country album. Country album? When did you start doing a country album? About a week ago. Uh, ho- hold up, 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 hold up. You started a country album a week ago. Then what's with this long ass taking forever to get you over? If you just started this thing last week, where the hell have you been? I've been recording songs, Mr. Bujarelli. Somebody has to write the music, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm right. I read a country album. We just started recording last week it's wonderful oh so you're saying that you've been in you've been writing it and you've just now gotten to the point where you can record it yeah i'm in the okay. studio and all that stuff and i'm writing great country songs mr boudreau these are wonderful may i uh sure go ahead <clears throat> well i'm just a good old american boy with a heart that is red white and true i'm dreaming of the girl with the red hair and freckles and her eyes like the skies of blue we keep her safe from the homies in the wrong side of town where they're smoking the reefer and are acting like clowns we keep that pretty white dress from we're getting dirty and brown Cause that's the American way Ah, that's a good one Yeah, that's called the American way Then there's my featured song <clears throat> Some folks wear their hats way off to the side With their pants down low And a gun tucked inside They take your beer by the 40 And their chicken deep fried I think we all know who we're talking about The only dark I like is when I turn off the lights The only hood I love is pointy and white What? Can't trust you if I can't see your face at night. I think we all know who we're talking about. Um. Oh. Okay. This. This. This doesn't feel right. Something about this song does what? not feel right. What? What doesn't feel right? The only hoods we like are pointy and white. Do I want to know what you're referring to, Mr. Booch brother? Are you outside of your mind? I'm not. I'm not referring to anything. Okay. This is. We're outside of your mind. Okay. That's gonna be a great hit. Everybody. Everybody's gonna love it, even the homies. Yeah, I, I, somehow I don't think they're gonna like that one, but anyway. Oh, they're gonna love it, they're gonna love it, just like they're gonna love my last song that I read. <clears throat> I did lie, did lie, did lie, grab me a rope and find me a tree. What? No, 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 no. What? what? I think we're good on that one. Wait a minute, you ain't ever heard a song about a tire swing? A tire swing? Yeah, there ain't nothing racist about this. Oh, okay, I'm sorry, continue. I ain't nothing racist, the banjos strumming and the drums are a banging let's get the boys together and we'll have ourselves a hanging no! oh yeah maybe that is a little racist uh, no now i see it now i see it okay maybe that was the fuck <laughs>
<laughs> Jesus Christ. A racist. Oh, well, uh, I mean, well, assuming it's, it's it's a skeleton and it's Halloween related, then maybe the hanging could be necessary. Because it's necessarily, not necessarily. It's the Salem witch trials, children. Oh, well, that's different then. Yeah. And that's what the song is about. Okay. Hanging that... a tire swing. Yeah, okay. I don't know what, ti what does a tire swing have to do with Salem witch trials? I don't know. I'm, I'm, um, I, I mean, I don't see anything racist about it. It don't sound good, but okay. Now that we got some context, we can move on. There is no racism. There is no racism. Okay. In any of my music, Mr. Bujarelli, I am not a racist. I am far from a racist. I have never been a racist. I know you're not, but there's a lot of people who tend to think you are. Mr. Bujarelli, I'm not a racist. I'm not saying you are. I'm saying that's the perception other people have. I know you're not racist. No, 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 Mr. Bujarelli. Stop being... Mm, 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 mm. What, what is wrong with you? Nothing's wrong with me. I'm not a racist, okay? I'm not... I've never been a racist. Okay, we get it. You're not a racist. I, I like black people. Yes, I, I believe you. You're not a racist. I believe you. I like Mexicans when they're across their side of the border. Okay. Uh. Anyway, um, ladies and gentlemen... No, but it, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's okay. Mr. Budrillet, don't, don't, don't fight it, okay? I write good music. Yes, you write good music. I write great music. Yes, you do. And now, ladies and gentlemen, um, this is the part of the no, show... I'm not done. Hold on, I'm not done. What do you mean you're not done? You said that was the last song. No, that was not the last... That was the last song on the album. What are we talking about? This is my favorite song I ever written. Okay. Mama, don't let your babies grow up to hate white boys. <laughs> Don't let them get mad because we buy Starbucks for the white girls that live in our lives. <laughs> no? I like that. That's a good song. Well, I mean, it's not racist. Not really. I mean, you're white. We're singing about white people. That's not really racist. White people, one big family with a great big bucket of KFC. Yeah, white people do tend to go to KFC from time to time, so that can work. Well, we like KFCs. Um, do you have any other songs? Or are you ready to get started? No, I, I guess I, it's time to get started because uh, Mr. Budrelli don't like music. I didn't say that. Um, but anyway. He doesn't uh, like music. I like music. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. Who, who doesn't like? I, I understand people who don't like music like period like i understand certain types of music people don't like but anyone who says i don't like music that's just weird you don't like music okay not gonna win this argument so ladies and gentlemen um what we got here is we got a special pay-per-view review that we're doing uh this week uh this is the classic pay-per-view reviews and how this works is myself and gator ricky ross when he actually shows up uh we get together and we do uh classic pay-per-view reviews uh from wwe wcw and ecw and we do this from the perspective of not just two people who are fans of wrestling but also from the perspective perspective of two people who work in the business. Gator has, of course, been a wrestler, a manager, a referee. He's done commentary. He's ring announced. He's popped the popcorn. He teaches at a wrestling school. He pretty much has the industry covered. I, myself, am a announcer. I've been a commentator. I've been a manager. I've done street team shit that I pray to God I never have to do again. I've popped the popcorn. I've chauffeured wrestlers to and from the building. I've managed Buff Bagwell's career. I pretty much have the industry covered as well. And in honor of the fact that tomorrow, at the time you listen to this, tomorrow will be Halloween. That's right. And uh, in honor of Halloween and the fact that Zach and I will be also recapping night two of Halloween Havoc, we are going to be doing WCW Halloween Havoc 1993. Wait a, minute, wait, a wait a minute. We didn't say anything scary. So now I have to say something scary for all the men. You ready? What? I'm pregnant. <laughs> 
That's scary. That's terrifying. That is terrifying. Yes. Especially if you're Vinny's last girlfriend. Oh, God. In 1993, Halloween Havoc was the fifth annual uh, Halloween Havoc pay-per-view produced by WCW. It took place on October 24th, 1993 from the Lakefront Arena in New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, there was 6,000 people in attendance. The tagline was, spin the wheel, make the deal. Which, if, you, if you're familiar with WCW, you know this very well. And you also, if you follow NXT, you know they have spin the wheel, make the deal for that as well. And, of course, we have, the, for the commentators, we have Tony Schiavone on the play-by-play. -play. Color commentator is Jesse Ventura. Uh, Eric Bischoff is handling the, the interviews. And the ring announcing is done by a man who has been a guest on the Boochcast in the past. Uh, the one and only Gary Michael Capetta is the ring announcer. And the referees are Randy Anderson, Nick Patrick, and Terry Taylor, who did match number seven. Um, which, we'll get to that, because he was the guest referee for one of the matches later in the evening, but we'll get to that in a moment. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to kick things off with the first official match of the evening. We have ourselves some six-man tag team action. We have Ice Train, Charlie Norris, and the Shockmaster versus Harlem Heat and the Equalizer. Okay, question. Why is poor Booker T? <laughs> Look at this poor Booker T. He can't escape jobbing to the Shockmaster. <laughs> I can't tell if WCW is seriously pushing the Shockmaster or not. Uh, they mock him on commentary, but they keep giving him wins. The match never found any rhythm, and it wasn't very good. Uh, they should have let uh, Harlem Heat control most of the match, but they let the Equalizer in there for a long time. Uh, Booker didn't get to shine, and he's the best worker in the match. If I didn't know anything about the success that Harlem Heat will eventually have, I'd be worried. <laughs> the winner is uh, Train Chalkmaster and Norris at 9 minutes and 45 seconds of our lives. We can't get back. <laughs> yes, a line so great, even the ginger loves to use it. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Every time he does it, that's $5 royalty, but it's fine. Yeah, I, I told him that's the only one he's allowed to keep, but he has to stop doing the other ones. It's fine. It's okay, Mr. Bucciarelli. I'm fine. He's just stealing gimmicks, but I'm fine. Yes, we, we know. We know. We know. Yes. Okay. How you doing, dudes and dudettes? This is Gary Ricky Ross. How's it feel now, asshole? <laughs> Did you like that? Did it feel good to your senses? The sad part is I, I tickle his taint and he gets all excited. Oh, boy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yes. You know what, though? What? That wasn't bad. <laughs> no, it was sad. Uh, yes. Did I steal all of his gimmicks? Just about. Is there another one I'm missing? I I don't know. Oh, I like ramen noodles and haven't felt a woman's touch in a hundred years. Well, you were almost there. All you needed was one more thing. Which was? These six guys beat the living shit out of each other. But they didn't. I know, but I'm just saying that's the only other catchphrase you missed. Oh. These be guys beat the living shit out of each other. Yes. And of course, what's interesting in this match is the Shockmaster is not wearing his mask. They yeah. decided not to have him go out with a mask and then of course at one point in the match Charlie gets tagged in and so does Booker who gets hit with an arm drag and Charlie works the arm and once again something important that modern wrestlers ignore the working of the arm and wait yes, a minute wait a minute I forgot to do it I forgot to do it I'm sorry I'm sorry Mr. Budrelli, if you please, that's the cherry on top. <laughs> yes. If you please or take it away, either one's fine. Uh, take it away. I don't know. I don't steal his gimmicks often. I'm just trying to do it to piss him off. I know. We're going to get Texas. <laughs> yes, we are. I'm going to get phone calls.
phone calls, letters, all that shit. Uh, Shockmaster gets tagged in and headbutts the twisted arm, which I thought was great. Again, the arm's working. He's headbutting it. Perfect. And then flips him over and leg drops the arm repeatedly. Charlie gets tagged back in. on the right arm, too, because here's the thing. Sometimes people forget which arm or leg or body part they're working. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It happens. Oh, it does. It does. Yeah. In the midst of everything. And Charlie gets tagged back in, works the arm, and tags back in Ice Train. And I thought it was great psychology with the constant tagging out. I thought that was great. Psychology. Exactly. They're showing that the three men are working together as a cohesive unit. And that's what I like to see in six-man tags. Beautiful now, thing. Correct, correct me if I'm wrong. Was this for a six-man title belt? No, this is WCW. They didn't do that shit. Yeah, they did. They had a six-man title belt during the early days of Herd, but I don't know if it was still around at this point. Well, it's 93. Was Jim Hurd still in charge? No, he left in, uh, I want to say, 90. Yeah, he left a little bit after uh, Corny quit. Uh, yeah. But no, there was no six-man belt on the line in this match. The originator of Pizza Baby, because Jim Hurd was a uh, big wig at Pizza Hut, just in case anybody didn't actually know. Yeah, he worked at Pizza Hut, and, and then because he was good in the business world, someone thought, hey, we could translate that to wrestling. And then, of course, um, Ice Train gets a headlock, Booker shoots him off, Stevie kicks him in the back, and Booker hits him with a drop kick. I thought this was great teamwork and a believable way to take the big man off his feet. That's what I enjoyed about this. You know, the big man got taken off his feet, and it happened in a way that was believable, and it made sense logically. And that's what I loved about this. So, again, the tag team camaraderie is here. Shit is happening that is believable. You know, it doesn't look choreographed. It looks fluid and runs very well. TV gets tagged in. They do a double sidewalk slam onto Ice Train. Great teamwork again. Love that spot because that's another spot I don't see often in tag team wrestling. I've never seen a double sidewalk slam. Maybe I didn't. I didn't notice it. Shit happened. <laughs> yes. I didn't have anything for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Um, then uh, he hits Booker with a big bear hug. I believe this is uh, Charlie. Uh, then does some weird atomic drop while still holding him for the win. It's not Charlie. It's Chucky. But did I ever tell you about what happened the last time I was at a haunted house? No, what happened? I was at a haunted house, and this is one of my favorite stories, though. I was at a haunted house, me and my brother, and the lady in front of us was very, very, very Hispanic of some sort. Yeah. And we're walking through, and she looks up, and in the air is Chucky, and she goes, Chucky! Oh, my God. Yeah, so anytime I hear Chucky, I immediately go, Chucky! <laughs> Good to know. And to me, this was the only part of the match I really hated, because I felt the finish looked fake, because Stevie saw the pin and went to fight Ice Train instead of trying to break up the pin. So, did someone miss their cue or, and cause a botch? Was it Stevie or Ice Train? Somebody botched that. Uh, possibly. I'm not quite sure. I'm just saying, like, if you can clearly see your partner's being pinned, why would you not try to break up the pin? Like, I can understand if Booker was doing the pinning and you attack Ice Train because you're trying to cut him off from breaking up the pin. But apparently you saw what you were not supposed to see, and in the process, you fucked the finish. For what was not an amazing match, but at least a match that was believable and very good up until that point. So the finish made me angrier than anything. That was the only part that pissed me off. This is a great match with an incredibly shitty finish. And I can't tell if it's Stevie's fault or Ice Train's. And then, of course, on that note, we're going to move on here to the next match of the evening. We've got Ricky the Diva, I mean Dragon Steamboat, versus Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff with the Assassin. All right, this is a pretty solid match. It was a bit strange at times, though. Steamboat was kind of acting almost heelish, uh, showing way more aggression than this feud warranted. I'm not sure it had the build to justify the intensity. I get what Steamboat was going 
going forward, but it seemed kind of odd. It wasn't quite, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. However, the finish does a good job of establishing Orndorff's new manager. Now, Ricky has a reason to be pissed. Side note, it is fitting that Nick Patrick was the referee because the assassin, Jody Hamilton, is his father. Yes. This might be the only time he gets to yell at his dad and get away with it. <laughs> And as somebody that has family in the business, uh, it's kind of fun. Uh, Orndorff wins by count out in 18:35. Decent match. Yes. One point in the match, we see uh, Ricky's out on the floor and Paul hits an axe handle, but I can't tell if he jumped or if Ricky ran at him. I can't tell what happened, but something was weird with that spot. It was awkward. So Ricky waits outside for a long time and then tries to dive onto Paul and he steps out of the way and lands. And I remember writing, "This is what you do when you wait too long." to dive and or when you can clearly see the person coming. <laughs> this is what the fuck you do. Uh, shoot, cowboy, shoot, bang, bang. There you go. That's what you do. See, the guy's taking too long to fucking figure out his spot. Don't give it to him. No, you Samoan Joe his ass. Exactly. You walk away. You walk away. That's what you do. That's you what you do. The Samoan Joe. Oh, by the way, we didn't talk about uh about uh Tony and um Jesse's uh Halloween costume. Um. Oh yeah. Hey, we, yeah, think, Jesse uh, Ventura was a gynecologist. Yes, Bourbon Street's number one gynecologist. Yeah. <laughs> And Tony and Tony and Tony was Jesse. Yes. <laughs> so for Halloween this year, I'm gonna dress up as Mr. Bugirelli. <laughs> Pizza bitches. Hey, don't steal my gimmicks, get it right. I did. Pizza bitches. It's baby, not bitches. Now, I love this, and this is another thing that happens a lot, I think, in this particular uh pay-per-view and also other pay-per-views that Jesse Ventura is on. And this is the challenge that Jesse has is when he calls the matches, he makes you think about shit. <laughs> You normally don't think about. That's what I love about Jesse. Jesse will has said shit throughout this pay-per-view, and I'm going to be talking about a lot of them, where he'll say something and my brain just fucking, like, explodes. Like, mind blown. Oh, Holy shit. Do not, do not watch this pay-per-view if you've smoked the weed. Yes, because we, as we know, one of the things that Gator loves to say uh, in certain moments, in fact, for a little kayfabe break here, he actually said this earlier before we started recording. Uh, one of the things Gator loves to say is like, you know, <laughs> if, if a person can't go, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, like, how do you please a woman? And that's like an ongoing bit that we have, so... <laughs> How do you please a woman? And Jesse, I think, has the best rebuttal to Gator's please a woman statement that anyone can make. He gives the ultimate rebuttal. He says, you get paid the same whether you wrestle for five minutes or 20. Well, yeah. I mean, some matches dictate you wrestle for five minutes. I'm just saying. Exactly. A normal a normal opening match is 10 minutes. How do you please a woman? Exactly. And then Tony says, you get paid more, of course, if you win. I love that exchange. Wrestling. Because it's true. Like, you can get paid the same amount of money regardless of how long you're in that ring, your rate doesn't change. But if you win, you get more because you get the winner's purse in addition to your salary. So it works that way. And so I love that exchange between the two of them. And then Steambrook leapfrogs over Paul and does some type of weird sling blade-like move by hooking the arm. And then when they hit the mat, he quickly crawls over, grabs the arm, and gets the hammerlock. And I love the way Jesse described the process. 
Like, Jesse was really telling the story so fluently as Steamboat transitioned from one spot to the other. Like, Jesse, people, I think, you know, Jesse gets a lot of uh, a reputation for being, like, the great heel commentator. You know, being the first ever villain on the mic and doing it so well that people forget that even though he was a villain, he sided with the heels, he knew his shit. He could do play-by-play just as good as color. And Paul shoots him off, drops down multiple times until Steamboat finally hits a crossbody for a two-count, crawls right back to the arm, continues to work it as he drags into the ring post and slams the arm into the post. Awesome psychology because he goes back to the arm no matter what. No matter what happens, at some point, Ricky's going back to the arm. The assassin helps him up as Steamboat is back in the ring. Paul sells the wrist on the outside until Steamboat slides out of the ring and attacks Paul and sends him shoulder first in the guardrail. He gets back in and threatens the ref. And this is a little thing I wrote for myself. I put Steamboat's true colors shining through. Wrestling! Because he's being a diva. Paul gets on the ramp and Steamboat slams the arm onto the ramp, gets him in the ring and flips him onto the floor and elbow drops the arm. He then splits the fingers. Apparently this is against the rules. I never knew that and apparently neither does Pete Dunne. Neither did I, actually. Yeah, somebody said this was against the rules somewhere. I think it was Tony or something. He's a liar. I I I figured it sucked. Ricky ducks a clothesline and they both go for a crossbody and they bump ribs and hit the floor. It looked like Paul was going for a knee counter and he slipped. Right, right. Okay, so I was right thinking that. Right. Paul rolls up Ricky but grabs onto the ropes so the ref starts counting and kicks his hands until he lets go and Ricky does a sunset flip for a two count. The ref counts too early as Ricky didn't have a full pin yet. I noticed that. Like, the referee, I think, got a little squirrely and was like, dude, he's not even flat on the mat yet. It was weird. Uh, Paul eventually regains control with a face buster. He goes for the pile driver but Steamboat fights out. Goes for the pin but Paul bridges up and Ricky goes for a backslide but Paul flips him over. Ricky trips him up, catapults him to the turnbook, and rolls him up for a two-count. Love that exchange. I thought yeah. that was brilliant and very well done. Then, of course, in the end, uh, the assassin headbutts Ricky with a loaded mask. He's knocked out, counted out, and Wendorf wins the match. Wrestling! Like I said, very well done, very good moments, and a few crazy shit. And now we can move on uh, to the next match of the evening. We have for the WCW television title, Lord Steven Regal with Sir William defends the title against Davy Boy Smith. All right, they lock up, and Regal complains about Davy's baby oil, but eventually they trade arm ringers. Uh, both men roll and flip out of the hold. Davy even does a front flip out of an arm drag. Uh, then both men take turns doing cartwheel reversals before Bulldog Monkey flips Regal. He does another one, but Regal doesn't quite rotate all the way. Uh, Davy recovers, attempts a surfboard stretch. Regal desperately fights out of it. Just some good back and forth shit. Uh, he locked Davy in some mad holds until Bulldog break free. It's a sunset flip. Uh, Regal answers with some hard strikes. More holds. Tries to run out the clock. There's only seconds left. Davey makes a few pin attempts. Hits the running power slam. However, Regal kicks out at two. Uh, Davey then hits a power driver, but the time expires just before the three count. One, two, three. Great mm-hmm. match. Uh, I like the fancy reversals. The storytelling was great. And the 15 minute draw. So they went Broadway. 15 minute Broadway. Broadway means draw. And I always thought that was weird because sometimes I've heard, you know, um, Cornette in interviews say things about arguing with somebody and they were going to go Broadway. So what does it mean in yeah. that regard? Yeah, but that was a different situation. That was when they were told by Dusty that they were going over no matter what. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, that was fucking, um, I forget who it was, but it was somebody on a fucking pot show. All right. Anyway. Yes, and this is a good match. First of all, I love seeing people complain about Bulldog being greasy when they lock up. Um, because it kind of reminds me of Andre saying to Randy, No baby oil, get out! So I, I thought that was funny for me. Uh, Regal hits multiple snapmares, and Bulldog eventually fights up and works the arm before Regal fights out. I thought this was great basic mat wrestling. They were chain moves that made sense and had no fuckery. This is chain wrestling done right by people who know how to do it fucking properly. So if people think I don't like this shit, I like it, but only when it's done by people who know how to fucking do it. And right. these guys know how to fucking do it. And then, then of course, uh, Bulldog uh, nails him with a kitchen sink and then grabs his hamstrings. Excellent selling. Uh, Bulldog starts fighting like a man possessed. The time counts down. He hits a pile driver, but he couldn't get the three in time, and that's when the match ended in a draw. And I love how Regal tried to get out of the ring, and when Bulldog went for the running power slam, he used Regal's feet to knock Sir William off the apron, and then Regal kicked out. Like, the ref right. timed the miss pin perfectly. Like, that was a brilliant execution of a time limit finish. And it was one of those finishes where it was a time limit draw, and the fans were a little upset, but they weren't, like, rioting at the end. No. Like, we know there's unfinished business here. I liked it. I did too. And on that note, we're going to move on here to the next match of the evening for the WCW United States Heavyweight Championship. Dustin Rhodes defends the title against stunning Steve Austin with Colonel Rob Parker. Okay, Austin frustrates Dustin early with some slaps. Uh, Rhodes chases him around the ring. Uh, Dustin then reverses a Boston crab attempt. Uh, Steve catches him with an elbow and starts working Dustin's head and neck. Rhodes fights back with a snapmare drop kick before Austin misses a knee in the corner and tumbles to the floor. He sells that he hurt his knee and limps back to the ring. Dustin works Austin's leg until Steve rakes the eyes and then Austin goes back to Dustin's head and neck. So both guys continue to work their respective spots. Um, But he turns it into a knee drop and the match dissolves into a slugfest. Dustin manages to back drop Austin and hit a lariat for a two. But Austin then reverses a bulldog attempt. Rhodes ends up on the turnbuckles. Austin taunts him, knocks him to the mat. Both men start trading stiff, stiff, stiff fucking punches and kicks like they're pissed at each other. Beautiful shit. Rhodes blocks a stun gun. We get trading pinning attempts. Uh, Austin lures him outside, rolls him up with his feet on the ropes when they return to the ring, gets the three count. However, Nick Patrick sees his feet on the ropes, waves off the pin. Austin thinks he's won, demands the belt. Rhodes rolls him up from behind for the real victory. This match was a little bit slow and never kicks into high gear. However, there are some good parts, and Austin's offense was mostly punching and kicking. These two have had way better matches in the past. This one kind of fell flat for me, and the finish was just a bit convoluted. Yeah, like how did the ref suddenly notice the foot on the ropes after the three count? Like, is he suddenly smarter than all the other refs? Well, I expected more from these two and was disappointed. Yeah, absolutely. Although, I will say, though, one thing I liked about this match was I forgot how technical Steve used to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, as most people know, when after the neck injury and obviously when he was transitioning from, you know, stunning Steve to the ringmaster to Stone Cold, he became more of a brawler. Right. But, but when he was stunning Steve Austin, though, that's when he had all the technical stuff. And I forgot how technical he used to be. You know, like, at one point, um... 
You know, Dustin's going for a back suplex. Austin flipped over, landed on his feet, regained control. I was like, wow, I forgot Austin could do that. I don't remember him ever doing that in the Attitude Era. Uh, Steve gets back in the ring, and he attacks, like, the knee of Dustin. I thought it was great psychology there. Um, Austin does a very low kick to regain control, then drops his knee pad. It's a knee drop to the face. I love this moment here because Jesse pointed out he used the good knee. So it made sense that it wouldn't hurt him because he's like, you know, Jesse pointed that out because you're wondering, you know, he's been work the, the knee's been worked the whole match. Why would he suddenly hit him there? He goes, he used the good knee. So I was like, again, Jesse bringing logic to the story and making things make sense. Like this, this is this is a master class in commentary from Jesse. Correct. We've both done commentary, so we both understand how it's supposed to be done. Like great way of educating the audience on what's going on, explaining shit, and justifying it so the viewer at home can comprehend what is going on. And Jesse does it phenomenal. phenomenal. Probably the best one to ever do it from a color standpoint, honestly. Very true. The only other person I feel like that's ever done that kind of thing with color would be probably Heenan. Yeah, Heenan was another yeah. good one. And of course, uh, in the end. Uh, uh, this match was 14 minutes and 23 seconds. Of our lives, we can't get back. Wow, we're going to throw that here? Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, it was just, they've done better. They've done better. So I hold them in high esteem. They could have done better. And on that note, we're going to move on here to the next match of the evening for the WCW World Tag Team Titles. Here we, we go, have children. It's time for Mr. Bujarelli to jizz. Marcus Alexander Bagwell and Two Cold Scorpio with Teddy Long defend the titles against the Nasty Boys. Boys with Missy Hyatt. Yes, yes, yes. Here's the thing with this one. Okay, so Sags and Buff. I'm sorry, Sags and Bagwell. I'm gonna I'm gonna use his Christian name. Sags and Bagwell start, and the Nasties quickly double team him. However, Scorpio surprises them with a flying cross body, and then dives off Bagwell's back and onto them as they regroup. Uh, Knobs returns. Scorpio kind of hits a splash. This is kind of all over the place. Uh, Missy takes an opportunity to slap the shit out of Buff. Uh, she popped him pretty good. I think she was legitimately pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> and asks them work over Buff's back. Uh, for a while, Sags hits him with the leg drop. They use a uh, double teaming to cut off his comebacks. Uh, they lock him in the bear hug. The ref misses a hot tag. Uh, Bagwell eventually makes it. Scorpio cleans house, then hits a, a moonsault on knobs. The match becomes chaos after Sags accidentally hits his partner. Missy and Teddy fight on the outside. It was a fucking bitch fight because Teddy's a fucking bitch. I ain't got to work with him anytime soon. We're good. <laughs> Bagwell gives Missy and Sags a double noggin knocker, which was actually a quadruple noggin knocker because her titties hit him in the face, and he's lucky he didn't end up with a black eye. Uh, Scorpio hits a 450 splash on Knob. However, Sags hits Scorpio with his big boot, and Knob drapes an arm on him for the win. This was probably one of the better Nasty Boy matches we've covered. Yes. <laughs> this was chaotic, which I kind of like. The heat section on Bagwell was a little long, but the closing moments made up for it. Uh, the crowd was hot for this shit, which helped, and I enjoyed this. But I'm kind of sad to see the titles back on the nasties because, let's be honest, Buff and Scorpio kind of only had it for like two days. Yeah, they won it on like, uh, I think it was like WCW Saturday night. It was ridiculous because Bagwell and Scorpio were fucking over. In fact, I think this was the year, if I remember correctly, that they won Tag Team of the Year. Yes, folks, this is the time where Bagwell's bitch does all of the... <laughs> He gets to sit here and jerk off Buff Bagwell. Okay, I am not going to jerk off Buff Bagwell. 
I don't know. You're jacking him off pretty hard here. First of all, I haven't even started talking yet. Uh-huh. I just said they were tag team of the year. How is that jerking him off? Those are facts. Because well, They're facts. Well, they're, they're not great facts. That doesn't matter. It's still, they were the tag team of the year. That's documented. I'm not saying, oh, they're the greatest tag team of that year. Like, no, they won the award for best tag team of the year. It's certified. They won tag it, team of the year. At least it was certified. Yes. So I'm saying, now, in the beginning, Bagwell and Scorpio attacked the Nasty Boys from behind while they celebrate with their belts and then knock them out with the titles. Now, this was weird to me because I think this is a shocking spot for baby faces to do. So that's why I thought it was weird. I'm like, you don't expect baby faces to behave like that. So that kind of threw me off that they would do that. And then Bagwell goes over and kisses Missy Hyatt. I laughed at this spot. And the reason I laughed at this is because I know from working with Buff that a lot of I don't know if people know this. Missy Hyatt is the person who got Bagwell into the business was Missy Hyatt. She was the one that got him to uh, go and train and become a wrestler. Because I think at one point they were living in the same gated community or whatever. And Bagwell and his wife at the time, he was laying out by the pool. And obviously she liked Bagwell's look. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean to tell me he was chilling out, Max, and relaxing all cool? Over by the pool. At first, Buff wasn't thinking about getting into wrestling. He said, those guys even make any money? And she goes, the lowest guy on the card makes hundred grand a year. He said, where do I sign up? And he went to a school, and he learned and became Buff Bagwell. So Missy Hyde was the one who got him in the business. So that's why that spot makes me laugh. And then, of course, the chemistry between Bagwell and Scorpio is amazing in this match. They, these guys truly knew how to work together as a team. And of course, like I said, the crowd loved them because they would do the dance and the crowd would chant, whoop, there it is. So they were over. Like I said, their chemistry was off the charts. So when you see this match, you can tell why they got tag team of the year and why I wish this tag team could have gone on a little bit longer than it did. A Scorpio then jumps off Bagwell's back and takes them out with a plancha. Great double team move and was believable because the Nasty Boys didn't wait to catch them. It, the timing was perfect. Nasty Boys did it the right way. They slowly got up. Scorpio came off. By the time they looked up, holy shit, there's Scorpio. Bam, it worked. Uh, Saz gets tagged in. Bagwell hits an arm drag and tags in Scorpio. They hit a double hip toss. Like I said, loving this match and how the champs are dictating the pace. So Bagwell and Scorpio dictated the pace of the entire match. It is the Nasty Boys keeping up with them which I loved. Scorpio tries to work the arm, but Sags fights his way out and then shoots him off, but Scorpio hits the middle turnbuckle and does a flying forearm. He went for the top and slipped, causing Sags to wait too long for the spot. So far, this is the only bad moment in the match, was this right here. This is the only, like, botch or terrible moment in, in what is otherwise an amazing match. This is the one shitty moment right here. Sags holds him up, Missy slaps him, as Gator mentioned before. I think that's a receipt for the kiss. I don't know if that kiss was planned or not. I think Probably that's why she really went in. She slapped the shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> for real. Yes. I've seen a working slap. I know people that have had been hit with a working slap and then oversell it. But um <laughs> That didn't look like a work. She laid that in. No, that was not a working slap. I'm just saying he sold that like it wasn't a working slap. So Yeah. Um but I've seen people sell a working slap like it's not a working slap, so. Yeah. And, of course, I also love the spot where, uh, you know, Bagwell goes after Sags and Missy gets on the apron and Teddy goes to stop her and they start fighting on the apron because, for me, that's equal opportunity, motherfuckers. I like that. You know, that's how it is. You hit me, I'm going to hit you. I don't give a fuck what your race, gender, or sexual orientation is. You want to fight, we fighting. You don't want to fight, don't put your hands on me. Love that shit. And I also noticed on the finish, uh, when Nod's pinned Scorpio, Bagwell did 
didn't notice it until it was too late because he wasn't paying attention and I thought that was great psychology especially when we saw in the first match where Stevie Ray blatantly saw it and didn't try to break it up Bagwell legit did not notice it which I thought was great so the psychology on there was on point and on that note we're going to move on to the next match of the evening we got Sting going one-on-one against Sid Vicious with Colonel Rob Parker. Sid attacks immediately. Sting answers with a slam and a clothesline that sends Sid to the apron. Sting then suplexes him back inside, but Sid regroups. Sting follows and knocks Sid over the rail before they brawl in the crowd. Now, this spot was perfectly okay because no one else at this point had done this thus far. No one has gone over the guardrail. No one's fought into the crowd. So it is perfectly okay for these guys to do this. So I was perfectly okay with this spot. I also, uh, in the midst of all the stuff that happened in the beginning with, you know, Sid attacking Sting, being distracted by Parker, and ducking the clothesline, hitting the big body slam and clothesline, you know... I love the change of pace in this match, and I also love that it establishes Sting as a cut above the rest with what great shape he is in. And I just wanted to uh, just kind of throw my two cents in on that. But anyway, Gator, continue. They do a loop, then brawl over the rail again before returning to the ring. Sting then hits a flying clothesline. Uh, Parker distracts uh, Sting. Sid hits. See, Colonel Parker's out there with Sid. Sid hits a choke slam. He poses instead of covering. Yeah, I love that because, you know, Sid's the heel, so it's great. But I also love that they utilize the manager, Colonel Parker, to help Sid get his heat. Uh, Texting's back. He distracts the ref so Parker can choke Sting with his handkerchief. By the way, did you ever notice a manager to use a fucking handkerchief? No, honestly, I haven't. This is definitely a first for me as a wrestling fan and wrestling analyst watching the pay-per-view. Yes, it's pretty cool, though. Uh, Parker uses to wipe his brow when the ref looks in his direction. Which I thought was brilliant. To me, that was a brilliant spot in the match for Parker because he's strangling, you know, Sting with the handkerchief, but then when the ref sees him, he's like, oh, I'm just wiping my face. And the reason it's good to do that in the direction of the referee is because it justifies Parker having that handkerchief out there. He's like, oh, he sweats a lot, so he's, you know, wiping his brow. To me, it's no different than when a, you know, manager has a cane. Sometimes it's because they have to walk with the cane because they have a limp or they're injured or whatever, but then they use the cane. So if you have a legit reason that can justify you coming down to the ring with a certain item, it makes it easier to use that item when the referee is either distracted or incapacitated. But anyway, Gator, by all means, please continue. Parker also returns the favor and distracts the ref so Sid can hit him with a weak-ass chair shot that looked like shit. Sid slowly wears Sting's back down. We get the power slam and lock Sting in the bear hug. They sell this bear hug for a while. Sting breaks it a couple of times, starts bouncing Sid's head off the mat. Stinger splash. Parker distracts him. Immediately Sid pops up to his feet like... Parker mistakenly grabs Sid's foot, gets a pen attempt, Sid shoves Parker and argues with him. Sting seizes the opportunity to roll Sid up for the win. This was probably the best Sid match I've ever covered. That's it? That's the best one? Probably. Well, a few other things I noticed in this match, uh, real quick before we move on, is at one point when Sid hit the sidewalk slam, I noticed that Tony botched the name by calling it a side suplex. And I also noticed when Sid uh, slammed Sting throat first onto the guardrail, Jesse botched it by calling it a clothesline. So I thought it was weird that commentators got the names mixed up on that one because you would you would think they would know 
that those aren't the proper names for that. I also noticed that when uh, Sid locked in the bear hug and where he wrapped his fists around, he had them positioned right in the area in the back where he hit him with chair. So right where he had him with the chair, that's where he put his fists, which again is great psychology because it's showing, hey, I'm going to put more pain and emphasis on the spot that already hurts. So that was very brilliant on the part of Sid Vicious. And this match was 10 minutes and 41 seconds. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening for the WCW International World Heavyweight title with Terry Taylor as the special guest referee. Rick Rude defends the title against Ric Flair. This match started hot. I thought it was going to have a better pace than the last match, but it started dragging. Then the finish was convoluted and disappointing. The fans hated the ending. Flair and Rude sadly didn't have the chemistry you would expect. I liked the first half of the match. The second half ruined it. Now, as I mentioned earlier, Terry Taylor was appointed as the referee. However, what I forgot to mention is that he's appointed as a referee for the match alongside Randy Anderson. So, basically, Randy Anderson's the referee in the ring, and Terry Taylor is the referee outside the ring, which I thought was fucking odd or weird. But anyway, before the match even starts, Rick Rude has the mic, and Rude says, cut the music. What I'd like to have right now is for all you fat, out-of-shape, Louisiana losers, stand up and pay some respect to the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. Hit the music. He takes off the robe, shows off the belt, and his Halloween gear, which is kind of cool. It's kind of a variation of what he did in WWE. I don't know if he was allowed. Did he just change it up for the hell of it, or did WWE trademark any of that shit? It was kind of weird he went to losers and not sweat hogs. I thought that was odd. Flair talks Rude while he's distracted by Fifi. Uh, this opening has happened way too many times in this pay-per-view. I feel like there's been way too many distractions taking place. I thought that was weird. Rude hits a knee to the face and goes up top and misses a knee drop from the top rope. Flair regains control as he attacks the knee and lost in the figure four. Crowd chants, whoop, there it is. Why? It makes no sense here. Wait, they chanted, whoop that trick. <laughs> Rude struggles in the center of the ring, but eventually makes it to the ropes and is able to force Flair to break the hold, which I thought was great selling and anticipation building. Uh, obviously, these guys are two great veterans, so you can expect them to know how to sell and milk a figure four for all it's worth. And then finally, time it perfectly to where when you grab the ropes, the crowd comes up because Rude was in danger of losing. Flair slams the knee of Rude in the turnbuckle. Jesse asks why Terry doesn't stop it. I wonder the same thing since there's two refs here. Like, again, like, Terry's not stopping anything. The referee's not doing anything. This is, again, Jesse giving a prime example of shit nobody's thinking about, but they should be thinking about. That's why I love this. 32 tight leg, the leg in the ring. Rude grabs the hair, and the ref warns him to stop. Love that a ref actually does that. Another lost art form. Re refs, referee's actually getting involved in shit. Rude grabs the trunk, sends Flair out on the floor. We almost saw the helicopter. If you saw the plane ride from hell, you know what that means. <laughs> Flair goes for a sunset flip, but Rude drops down, holds the rope, but Terry knocks his hands off and Flair rolls him up for a two count. Great job by Terry. Uh, Flair does a cross by then sends them both onto the floor and Rude hits a chair and lands mostly on the guardrail and concrete. Stupid Who spot. knew Terry Taylor was going to be a great referee? Yeah. Stupid spot. Unnecessary and I expect better from the Nature Boy. Easy now. Easy. Watch it. Watch what you're saying now. Being honest, I expect better from the Nature no, Boy. No, 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 no. Watch what you're saying now. At least he's not Hulk Hogan. Well, yeah, because Hulk Hogan wouldn't do dumb shit like this. 
Claire chops him and Terry tries to stop him. Why? This is perfectly legal. All he has to do is not stay outside too long. You don't have to stop anything until they get closer to the end. Claire hits a flying four on the top rope and the ref tries to stop him again. Why? This is not a time for referees to stop shit. This is 93. So in 93, they were dumber? No, no. This is the Bill Watt kind of era where they're trying to, they don't, the top rope shit and all that. Rube limps over to Fifi and grinds and goes up top. Hit the lariat at the top and then sells the knee. Well done. By the way, Fifi is the current Mrs. Flair. Yes, that's right. Um, anybody wanted to know. Flair tries to fight back and Rude drops him and hits multiple punches and sends Flair on the turnbuck and clotheslines him. The cameraman gets taken out right there. Rude suplexes him back in and then goes up top and hits a shoulder lariat for a two count. Side note, I think Rude has a booger hanging out of his nose. I wasn't going to say it, but go ahead. No, I, I, I noticed it. Flair and Rude exchange blows and Rude hits a clothesline for a two count. Rude locks in a bear hug. Again, another move we've seen a lot tonight. A little too much. And takes him down with it and gets multiple two counts. At least they did something different with it. So, another move we saw multiple times, but at least they did something different. Flair goes on top, catches a boot as he's coming down. He let he let him lay there too long, as Dusty would say. Terry finally gets in the ring, but Flair shows Rude into Terry by accident. Rude then grabs brass knuckles. Flair ducks and hits a back suplex. Rude drops the knucks, and Flair takes them and hits Rude and goes for the pin. But Randy stops Terry from counting to three because he saw Flair hit Rude with the knuckles. He disqualifies Flair, and Rude wins the match. A shitty finish and then Flair steals the belt. What was a great match has turned into shit and a lot of it was disorganized. If this is the Bill Watts era, I'm glad he doesn't run wrestling anymore. Hey, 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 you watch your dick liquor. Hey, I'm just saying, if, there, if this dumb shit is happening because of Watts, this was sad to see. True. The match was 19 minutes and 22 seconds. Of our lives, we can't get back. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to move on to the main event of the evening. Dear God, help us all. We have, no. We have the spin the wheel, make the deal. Right here, we got Cactus Jack versus Big Van Vader with Harley Race. This is a Texas death match. This is a real Texas death match. What is it? And fuck you, yes it is. It's not. This is the real one, okay? The rules are as follows. There is a, no disqualification. Falls count anywhere. And when there is a fall, there is a 30 second rest period before the competitor has 10 seconds to reach their feet. If they cannot do this within that allotted time, they lose the match. This is a fun brawl for the whole family. The kids will love it. Yeah, if they're special. Fuck you. It's a fun, bloody brawl. It's a great stipulation. There's lots of great action. It's hardcore. It's hard-hitting. I cannot say great things more about this. Uh, you know, there's a fucking stun gun for real. Not the crappy Stone Cold move, but the actual fucking stun gun. He's he zaps that guy like a black guy with the cops. Or more like New Jack. <laughs> Bombs away! Like how Big Grinds went out. Can't feel my legs, Jack. You ain't gonna need them. Oh God, it's fine though. This was a great brawl. Lots of good action, fun action, fun, fun, fun. Until Daddy takes the T-bird away. <laughs> Mr. Bujarelli didn't like it, so don't listen to the, what he's about to say. Oh no, you want to listen because this... and watch it yourselves and judge it for yourselves. Yes, but just know Uncle Gator likes it. Yeah, this is for goddamn ridiculous. Um, oh, no. First of all, these rules are dumb as fuck. No, they're not. They're the dumbest fucking rules I've ever seen in my life. No. Because they're saying no DQs. Okay, fair enough. It says falls don't count, but after a fall, there is a rest period. Okay, two things wrong with this. First of all, I can have a rest period between falls if falls don't count. See, but falls don't count. Very they, poor choice of words. They, they do not count. 
They are not how the match is ended. And also, here's the other thing. This is a real Texas death match, and you are shitting upon the legacy of Terrence Terrell Funk. I'm stating a fucking fact. This is the dumbest shit. First of all, the, now the this person gets pinned. The person gets pinned, and then he has to get up by a count of 10. Okay, I'll buy this. I'll buy that. I gotta wait 30 seconds before a ref fucking counts to 10? What kind of yes. bullshit 10 count is that? This is the ultimate blow-off. These guys are not fighting for a quick three count. They're not fighting, you know, three count. Here we are, we're three count. No, I get, we're done with that today. I'm just saying, they're not fighting for a quick three count, okay? This is, you have to uh, damn near kill a man to win this. There's a clear winner and a clear loser. Yes, the clear winner is the promoter and the clear loser is all of us who watch this show. You're a liar. You're shitting upon Terry Funk. No, I'm not. He's not in this match. Yes, you are. Terry Funk's He's not in this match. Up with this? He is not in this match. His family came up with this. He's been in thousands of them. So basically, you're saying 40 seconds, the guy needs to be knocked out, pretty much. Pretty much. Because pretty if, if he gets up during the 30-second break, then there's no 10 count. This is fucking stupid. Get right. rid of the fuck. We don't need the 30-second rest. Here's an idea. Pinfall, start fucking counting. And in some cases, that does happen. But the old school way to do it is to give a rest period. Yeah, I, I would give a rest period after the guy gets up. Give him a moment to compose himself, then fight. I'd rather see it that way. Yeah, the guy's already pinned. Why would you fuck with him? Why do you need a rest period? He's on the ground. Don't fuck with him. Common freaking sense. <laughs> so, so now Cactus Invader, they're fighting because this is obviously a personal war they're, between these two. They're milking it. They're milking it. So Vader takes his mask off, and to which I reply, why the fuck does Vader even wear one? Because it's Vader. He always takes his mask off. That's always something he's done. I'm just saying, why even wear a mask if it's just gonna come off later in the match? Just walk to the fucking ring. I don't know. Yeah, he goes to punch Cactus. He ducks, and Vader hits the post. Cactus then slams his hand onto the guardrail. I thought that was good psychology there. Cactus punches and bites Vader as he's tied up in the guardrail. Cactus nails Vader with a fan's camera. For a moment, I thought that was a cassette player. So that was odd. Uh, Vader fights back and punches Cactus in the corner. He sends out onto the ramp and tries to suplex him back in the ring, but Cactus suplexes Vader onto the ramp. Cactus gets color around the side of his head near his eye. Obviously blood is acceptable in this match and we didn't see any blood throughout the whole entire pay-per-view so the color works here. Okay, sounds good, Mr. Bucciarelli, but anyway, children, uh, the gator must now depart because I can no longer stay here and listen to Mr. Bucciarelli smear the good name of of Southern Wrestling. Obviously, Mr. Bucciarelli does not like Southern Wrestling. He doesn't appreciate good wrestling when he sees it. And the more he continues to besmirch the name of Terry Funk, the more pissed off Gator is going to get. So, ladies and gentlemen, I am going to depart. I am the Gator, and I'll see you later. Goodbye! Alright, fine. Be that way. I don't give a shit. But anyway, Harley grabs a chair, but Cactus takes it from him and takes him out before hitting Vader with the chair. As they go up to the graveyard set and, and both fall into the grave. Now, Cactus is covering Vader, but the ref does not want to go down there and make the count. And I'm like, it's false count anywhere, you fucking imbecile. Do your job. Like you said, they're going, I don't want to go near the grave. I don't want to go near the grave. Look, get your gothic batty ass down into that fucking hole and go make the fucking count. It's not a real graveyard, you fucking moron. This is just getting dumber by the second. Now, eventually, Vader comes out with color as well. So now Vader's, you know, got some juice. But Cactus closed 
clotheslines him and gets the fall. And of course, we gotta wait for this bullshit 30 second rest period for the 10 count starts. Cactus takes out Vader with a prop that looks like a cactus, which I thought was funny and ironic. That kind of made me laugh. Cactus hitting Vader with a cactus. Vader sets up a table and then just falls backwards and Cactus drops an elbow for another fall. Now, that made no sense. Why would Vader suddenly just fall backwards? Even if he was tired, a normal person would not fall back like that. That was clearly staged and looked phony as fuck. Cactus kicks Vader from the ramp and then starts punching him as Vader pulls him down and headbutts him. Cactus crawls up the stairs and then gets up and kicks Vader. Cactus goes down the stairs and slams him into the stairs. Cactus then brings the table into the ring. The ref sets the table up. Why? He's not in the match. Why the fuck does he care? Why is a referee setting up a table? There is no reason whatsoever for a referee to be touching the fucking table. Unless you're getting the table out of the ring, which wouldn't make any sense because this match is no disqualification. Again, stupid shit. Vader punches Cactus in the corner. Vader Irish whips Cactus. He reverses it and sends Vader into the table, but it doesn't break. He goes for a pin. Vader kicks out and Cactus tips the table onto Vader. So now he just flips it onto him. Vader rolls out of the ring. Cactus jumps off the apron and attempts a sunset flip, but Vader stops and goes for a butt slam, but Cactus moves out of the way. Cactus suplexes Vader and sends him gut first onto the rail. Now Cactus goes for either a dive or another sunset flip, but either way he misses and at this moment, Cactus is doing something sloppy and reckless. It was sloppy, it was reckless, it was unnecessary, and yes, I know Mick Foley's been known to be a hardcore legend, there's a big difference between doing hardcore shit and doing stupid shit, and with all due respect to Foley, even he'll admit he did stupid shit from time to time, and this is one of them. Vader lifts up Cactus and tosses him over the guardrail, and then climbs back over. He grabs a chair and hits Cactus with the legs of the chair. Harley has a taser and tries to block the camera from seeing it, which is fucking stupid, because even though we can't see it, we can clearly hear it buzz. You can hear the as he's turning it on. Vader brings Cactus into the ring and nails the Vader salt for the fall. Now, only the head hit Cactus, so I'm not sure if this is a botch or not, because uh, I don't think that's how a moonsault's supposed to work. I think you're supposed to be, you know, chest on chest, stomach on stomach, body on body. I don't know if he did the head intentionally because he didn't want to put the full body weight on Cactus or if he just overshot it. It was hard to tell, but either way, didn't look good. Vader kicks him into the corner and throws haymakers and then throws him onto the ramp and Cactus locks in a chokehold, and Vader walks across the ramp and falls backwards, crushing Cactus. So while he jumps up for the chokehold, he just falls backwards and hurts him. Harley gives Vader a steel chair, and he clots Cactus in the head with it. Cactus blocked the shot with his hands. So even he has enough common sense to do that. Even Mick Foley, the hardcore legend, who's done so much crazy shit in his career, has enough common fucking sense to put his hand in the way to block a chair shot. So these younger guys can't give me any fucking excuses anymore. Vader hits a DDT onto the chair. Vader runs off the medical team as they're trying to get Cactus out of there. He throws away the medical bag. He then pins Cactus. Cactus gets up and DDTs Vader onto the chair. The ref starts counting and as Cactus gets to his feet, Harley tases Cactus and he grabs his leg and falls. Now, he buzzes it, but then shuts it off when it touches Cactus, and there is a delay, and then he falls. So basically, he makes the thing buzz, but if you look real closely, he shuts the taser off, so Cactus never gets buzzed. But he just feels a poke, looks down, realizes what's happening, grabs his leg and goes, oh! So it looked fake as fuck. 
it's clearly obvious he's not being tased and Katniss didn't time it properly so it looks fake as fuck. Now if you were worried about hurting him, all you had to do was put it on a low setting if you're going to use it. Put it on the lowest setting so that way it doesn't hurt as much. So that way instead of being electrocuted it's like getting a static shock when you rub against the carpet and you kind of touch somebody and then you go, ah, son of a bitch! Like that kind of thing. That would work better in this setting. Like your socks, rub it against the carpet and you touch somebody. Ah! Do it like that. It won't hurt as much. It gets the point across. Cactus can sell it and if there's any problems you deal with it after the show. Now Vader gets up and wins the match. Then eventually Cactus gets up and he's in a fit of rage and he double arm DDT's Harley Race onto a steel chair. And that ladies and gentlemen is the ending to this pay-per-view. Like I said there were some good moments there were some shitty moments and I will give credit where it's due. Gator was right about one thing. This was a fucking brawl. It was very personal and it was violent. And I'm not taking away from that. This was a physically violent match and it definitely brought out the best in both of them. My only issues were some of the reckless spots, some of the spots that looked fake as fuck, and these were goddamn ridiculous rules that make no goddamn sense. So that's why I can't get behind this Texas death match. But if those rules don't bother you, then as Gator said before, check it out. Because that's the beautiful thing about the Boochcast. Gator has an opinion. I have an opinion. We have thoughts. We bring them in. We use our facts and logic to justify our opinions. But ultimately, you, the fans, can decide for yourselves whether Gator's right, I'm right, both of us are right, both of us are wrong, whatever. Go watch Halloween Havoc 93 for yourself and make your own opinions. That's the beautiful thing about this. So I definitely recommend you go check out Halloween Havoc 93 and watch the match for yourself. And then come back here and say, uh, Booch, Gator was right and you were wrong. Or you can say, Gator, Booch was right and you were wrong. Let us know. And then feel free to comment below or DM us. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will conclude our review of Halloween Havoc 1993. We thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We're on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there, or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show, as well as great content. Make sure you check out the Mail Soap Opera Moment. Check out our recap of WWE Fastlane. Find out who was right, who was wrong, and then make sure you check out our predictions for WWE Crown Jewel, which will be coming out this Saturday on the Boochcast Facebook page. Now, the Mail Soap Opera Moment will be on the Boochcast page. Crown Jewel itself will be on Peacock. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Visit our YouTube channel. Check out all of our YouTube content, and be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. We're getting uh, work done on the Dark Side series. Um, I'm currently in the process of researching some more Dark Side of the 2000s to get those ready and ready to go. Uh, Zach and I have gotten a few of those done. We've gotten a majority of Dark Side of the Ring done. I got a few that I got to handle on my own. And another one I got to collaborate with Elvis on. So just know we're getting the content recorded. We're trying to get everything scheduled. We're also doing prep work and everything to get them ready. But in the meantime, in between time, check out the content that's already there if you haven't already. And be on the lookout for the content that will be coming very soon. And of course, you can also follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be tomorrow night on Halloween for night two of Halloween Havoc. That's right. Zach and I will both be in studio. We'll be doing a live Twitch stream of us checking out night two of Halloween Havoc. So you'll see us watching it. You can also join with us. We'll have a little bit of a special treat for you guys to join us because I don't know if legally I can put WWE content on there. Even though 
technically it's free TV. I don't think we get in trouble, but I don't know if I'm going to risk it. I'll, I'll figure it out for myself. I'll see what I can do. But then after Halloween, the one after that will be Saturday, November the 25th for WWE Survivor Series. Uh, we are currently in the process of trying to get that organized to see if it can happen. Because uh, as I mentioned before, unless something changes, because right now my schedule is completely up in the air as far as this goes. I'm supposed to be going with Buff Bagwell on Friday, November 24th and Saturday, November 25th for WrestleCade weekend. I'm supposed to be there on those two days with Buff Bagwell. And if we are, feel free to come down to Winston-Salem, North Carolina and come say hi to us. Check us out. Get some Buff merch. Get a picture with Buff and other great things. But even if I don't go with him, still go there and see Buff because Buff Bagwell is great to his fans. And if you've met him before, you want to meet him again. If you haven't met him in person before, this is an opportunity to go do it because he is Buff. He is the stuff. And the girls just can't get enough. But of course, if I go to Wrestle Cave with Buff, uh, the team should be putting something together for you guys. But if I don't end up going with Buff, I will be putting everyone together and doing the live stream. So we'll see what happens on the 25th. Also, we have our live D&D show coming soon. Our Boochcast booking battle and another special project in the works. And of course, you can support the Boochcast by going to podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works the best within your budget. We have our first level, which is 99 cents, $1 per month. We have our second level, which is $4.99, $5 per month. The same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money. Give us money. We got better content than Peacock anyway. And we got the third and final level you can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99, $10 per month. The same amount of money we used to pay for a WB Network subscription here in the United States. Ever since they sold it to Peacock, you got nowhere to put that $9.99. $10.99, bring it over here. We got better content than Network, and unlike the Elite, we actually care about our fans are dedicated to giving the people what they want. You have the option to pay through credit card or with GPay. And the best part is, all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We used to upgrade our equipment, we used to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and believes her to be paid for their hard work, podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then, if there's any money left over, when it's all said and done, we use the rest to feed Zachariah Scott his ramen noodles and try to get him laid. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Booch Cast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.